make some money on uh, the option and also an increase in the rent. You're not going to get rich on it, but if you maintain it long enough, you can make money on it. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I am am happy and pleased to say I am with today's best ever guest, and her name is Sandra Musselwhite. Hi, Sandra. Hi. Sandra is an avid reader of murder mysteries, as she just mentioned, um, to gain some balance in her life because she has been a real estate investor for 45 years, primarily in income-producing residential properties. She's got a wealth of experience to share with us today. I'm really excited to hear about her experience, her journey, and her insights that she's learned along the way. She's based in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And uh, with that being said, Sandra, you want to give the best ever listeners uh, a little bit about your background and what you're doing now? Well, I started um, basically the first job I ever had other than babysitting was in a little trailer in a little place called Akakeek, Maryland. I wrote the checks for people I never saw. They were they were salespeople, and they made more money than my father, who had a job that he had to go through Congress to be approved for. And I thought, these people never work, but they make all this money. So, gee, this must be a pretty good job. I was pretty naive. I was only 16. And then when I um, bought my first house out in the boonies in Manassas, Virginia, which now has almost half a million people, but at the time only had 30, uh, and I needed a job. I saw an ad in the paper that said, sell real estate, make big money. So I went and inquired about a job selling real estate, and I failed the test, <laughs> the only thing I ever failed <laughs> in my life. And I cried for three weeks, and I went back, and um, they said, don't worry about it. You can try again. So I tried again. I passed the test. And I sold five houses the first weekend I was in the business. I had no idea how to fill out a contract, but I knew how to listen to people. So pretty much after that, the rest was history. That was my experience as to basically how I got into real estate. But after that, I kept asking, well, what about these VA foreclosures? Oh, you don't want to worry your preload head about that. You just keep on selling real estate. Well, so it took me 10 years to actually get into investment real estate. And then uh, once I got into investment real estate, obviously there was no turning back. So that's basically how I got into investment real estate. I had to fight my way into it. You talked about that first weekend, you sold five houses. You had no idea how to do a contract, but you knew how to listen to people. Yes, that's correct. What tips can you give the best ever listeners as far as being a good listener? 
you have to know what it is they you need to give them. So you have to know what they want or to give it to them. There you go. That's that's listening. That's that's exact. That's listening in a in a really pure sense, and that's how you do it. So Sandra, I know that with your um, with your background, you'd mentioned that you're a strong advocate of fifty year loans versus thirty year loans. Can you explain the reasons why? Fifteen year loans versus thirty year loans. Yes, um, because basically the the number of years that you're going to be paying interest and the amount of money you're going to be paying over that additional thirty years. If you're going to be holding the property as a um, as your home, you're going to have that additional money that you can be used for uh, retirement, travel, for one thing. If you have children, you can use it to pay for their education. There actually are people who are in their 60s and 70s who are still paying, as you probably know, for college loans that they took out in their 20s. That's a very sad statistic. And then with the the 15-year versus 30-year, you'll, you'll obviously pay it off sooner. Yes. That's a major advantage, and you pay less. Um, so that's another major advantage. And then the disadvantages would be that you don't make as much on a regular basis leading up to that point because the loan will be higher. And then also um, there are tax advantages involved with having a mortgage and the interest that you pay off on a regular basis. So how do you reconcile those things? The best advice I could give somebody would be to go to bankrate.com and compare it. And you're either living for now or you're living for your future. And that's a decision you and your financial advisor would have to make. If you compare the two, you'll see you're actually, depending upon the amount of your loan, you're probably saving it $50,000 and up over a period of time. If you're looking at an investment property, generally speaking, somebody else is making that payment for you. And if you have a, if you have a rental property after 50, after the 15 years is up, it's all profit. If you pay, if you've got a 30 year loan, you're still paying on the mortgage, even though somebody else is making the payment for you. Whereas if you have a, a 15-year loan, it's pure income. Did I make that clear? Absolutely. makes sense. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at an investment and you are looking at the different loan types, you know, you got the 15-year, you got the 30-year, um, and if we're talking commercial property, you, you're primarily residential, right? That's correct. Okay. Okay. But it's a matter of income. For instance, if you're, if, uh, some people will do a 20-year loan instead of uh, instead instead of a 15-year loan, because it makes more sense to them. It's easier to deal with. I have some people I mentor that choose to do a 20-year loan. Some people do a 10-year loan. If you get below 10 years, it doesn't make any sense. Why is that? Well, it's like a car loan. The payments are just too high. Over the years, whenever you've you know, seen different real estate cycles, what have you, what have you seen you know, coming out of this last turn? And, and, and are you foreseeing anything uh, that's similar that right now um, that leads you to believe we're going in a uh, upswing or, or downswing in the overall market cycle. And I realize that every market is unique, but just generally across the board, what are you seeing you know, since you've come across probably more than a handful of different real estate cycles in your career? Are you referring to 2008? Yeah. I don't think anybody could have predicted that. That was a manipulation by the stock god, so to speak. That really had nothing to do with real estate cycles, in my opinion. When I first got into real estate when I was young and naive, a woman who is about my age now, 
was married to uh, an economics professor, and she gave me some advice, which I thought was, at the time, sounded interesting. I didn't, I've not forgotten it, and I think it made a lot of sense looking back on it. She said, when bonds go up, real estate goes up. When stock goes up, real estate goes down. That still is true. Right now, bonds are going down, and uh, real estate is, is uh across the board, starting to lose some value, even though the the numbers that the government puts down are usually behind three to six months. So they will say that real estate has appreciated. And that's true. The recent, most recent numbers do say that. I think uh, 4% is, is, are the numbers currently. And the interest rates are going up just a little bit, but they are going up. I think we're going to see a slowdown in appreciation uh, and interest rates are going up. So that's it seems to be true. And why is the correlation when when bonds go up, real estate goes up? I'm not an economist. I'm just going by what she told me, and it seems to have been true over the years. It's a matter of money available. Basically, it's what it correlates to. It's a matter of where do people put their money. If they're putting it into stocks, they're not putting it into uh, mortgages. It's just that basic. Okay. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Sandra, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I want to be real clear here. If you're going to hire, and I'm a real estate investment mentor, and I do charge on a fee basis. If you're going to pay somebody to advise you, get somebody local who knows the local market. Don't give your money to somebody who's here from out of town and doesn't know the local market. That's probably my best advice. Research, consider your sources before you make financial decisions, whether it be stocks, bonds, or real estate. And what, why is it important to have someone local there? Because you're dealing with a local market. Real estate is very local. It's kind of like politics. Politics is local. Real estate is local. Everything works somewhere, but everything doesn't work everywhere. And there are many, many different kinds of ways to create equity. And I believe in creating equity. For instance, many people think that you can flip property all day long and you'll get rich. But that what they don't realize is flipping is a job. Flipping is not investing. The people who made the most money going back to 2008 were the people who had rental property. Somebody else is making your payments. You're not. It doesn't matter what goes on in the market. But you have to realize this thing. You have to realize that it's local. What happens on a national basis is not going to affect you if you're investing in the local market. You mentioned there are many different ways to create equity, uh, and you're focused on uh, income-producing residential properties. So what are the different ways to produce equity in income-producing residential properties? Well, Joe, let's talk about what's going on currently, because that is the key. What what might have been going on when the interest rates are 18% may not be going on when it's 4% or 5%. So we have to go with the flow, so to speak. What was going on in 1977 may not be going on when it's 1997 or 2017. Whenever I make a investment decision, and this this means if I bought the house six months ago and I'm and I've fixed it up and I'm getting ready to resell it, I check the comparables every stage along the way because the market changes all the time. So you're asking me a general question, which really requires a specific answer. I like lease options, if that's what you really want a specific answer. And lease options work all along the way in almost every kind of market. 
So I gave you a general answer to a specific question, and then I came back and gave you a specific answer. Does that satisfy you, or you want me to be more specific? I am completely satisfied. Thank okay. you for that. Right. And uh, thanks for the recap on the general and specifics. Let's get specific on lease options. So okay, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more kind of a definition of what a lease option is and, and just in a general example of how it works? Okay. Well, lease options can work a couple of ways. You can find somebody who has a property that they can't sell, but they need to get out from underneath the payments. So you offer to uh, lease their property and then you sublease it to somebody else, but you're responsible for the payments. So you're doing a sandwich lease. That's something that started out like most, most creative opportunities start out in California and worked its way east. Uh, started out in commercial property, worked its way into residential. And it's not a new thing. Wade Cook publicized it 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago. It's still being done. Some places they call it land contract. Uh, but a, a lease option really doesn't change needs or as a way of controlling property without actually owning the property. And it's a way of giving the, the owners of the property an opportunity to get out from underneath responsibility. But it should be done with true intentions of actually being responsible for the property. That's that's a place where it's weak. Some people don't have any intention of following through. They just want to take the money and run. But in reality, uh, whenever you do anything like this, it's really important to be sincere and make sure you maintain your obligation to the people. It's an opportunity to control the property and create some equity because you can make some money on uh, the option and also an increase in the rent. You're not going to get rich on it, but if you maintain it long enough, you can make money on it. And that's one way to do a lease option. Another way is to um, actually buy the property and turn around and do basically the same thing. But the key is to control the property. And if you do it long enough, uh, for a long enough period of time, you're also able to do uh, buy property that needs work and do a Title I home improvement loan on it and increase the value. What's a Title I home improvement loan? It's a government-insured loan where you can go in and uh, do certain repairs on the property. As, as an investment property? You can do it with investment property or owner-occupant property mm-hmm. from one to four units. And is that a loan that you, you uh, I guess if you said owner-occupant, then you can obviously be living in one side and running out the others? Yes, you could, but you don't have to live in any of them. And what are the advantages of that, the Title I home improvement loan? You don't have to have any equity in the property. That would be the main advantage, I would think, for an investor. Or if you, if you have a... a a listing that needs work on it. If you're an agent, you have a listing that needs work on it and it's not selling. Generally, a pristine property will sell a whole lot faster than a property that needs work. So you would encourage your uh, owner, I would think, to get work done on a property so it would sell faster. You don't have to have any equity. Uh, You could save your people from having to give it away and, and lose money on the property or turn it into a short sale. They could get the property fixed up. They could sell it as a, as a, at the highest point of the market instead of the lowest part of the market. They could sell it faster. If it's a um, relocation situation, the family could be reunited sooner. And then when the property is sold, they could pay off that loan, move on, be together again. Sounds like a nice, nice little loan program. It's a wonderful loan program. It's been around since the mid-60s. I don't know why it's not used more. Are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, first, a quick word from our best ever partners. 
crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D dot com forward slash best ever. Sandra, what's the best ever book you've read? Uh, it's a very old one. It's by um, Nickerson. How I turned a thousand dollars into a million dollars. Best ever personal growth experience, and what'd you learn from it? You know, I've been going over that one. I just can't come up with it. <laughs> Probably that lady who told me about the, the stocks and bonds. This little story I mentioned earlier. When bonds go up, real estate goes up. When stocks go up, real estate goes down. Is what she said. Just as a refresher. Yes. Best ever success habit you practice. Write down what you have to do and cross it off when it's done. Best ever deal you've done? Oh, this was when I was selling real estate. Um, I decided I was going to list a million dollars in one day, and I did it. I would imagine a lot of people would like to just kind of say, okay, in one day I'm going to list a million dollars. So what? what's your approach? How did you accomplish that? I wrote it down. I did it. I, mean, I just set a goal that I thought was not doable, and I did it as it turned out. Um, I had a builder that had three houses. He called me. But I, I've also done the same thing with real estate. I had a, well, I have, uh, let me let me address it towards investing. I know it's not lightning round, but we really are talking about investing. So I set a goal of not doing a property unless it was $100,000 uh, gross profit in it. And that's all I do now is properties with $100,000 gross profit in them. And I can usually do a house at two hundred fifty thousand dollars with a hundred thousand gross profit in it. And how are you finding those deals, or how were you finding those deals? The same way I found them with ten thousand dollars in them. They're sitting there waiting to be found, or they send them to me. You just set your parameters. Can you be a little bit more specific on how they're sending them to you or setting parameters? People know when you're looking for a property, and uh, I don't do bandit signs, and I, I don't. I have people that contact me and say, if I put an ad, we, I buy houses, will you look at them and buy them if I get one that you like? Sure, why not? And I just, I don't do those kind of things, but people send me property all the time because they know that I buy property or I have investors in my RIA group who will buy property. So it's just over a period of time, and that time could be a week, a month, a year, 10 years. People just know that you buy property and they will send you deals. Got it. Got it. So it's through the the uh, the word of mouth and the experience and building those relationships to a point where now you've got wholesalers and fix and flippers doing the bandit sides, the Craigslist ads, and then you're having conversations with them once they receive the deals and kind of taking the pick of the litter. Exactly. Integrity. Follow through on what you say you're going to do. And the one thing that I found is not necessarily the amount of time. There are people who have been doing this for 10 years or not getting what I'm getting from the people I'm getting it from. So I think that's real important to emphasize with your with your listeners. It's not always a matter of time because I heard in the beginning, oh, well, if you haven't been here doing this for 20 years, nobody's going to help you. Well, that's not true. Increase your numbers and, and you can eliminate that time factor. What's the best ever project you're most excited about right now? Right now, I'm working with a VA BASH program. It's a program to help homeless vets. And I'm excited about that. Is that the best ever way you like to give back? I like to give back to people who um, are helping other people, yes. And what would you say is the best ever quote? The Titanic was built by experts 
but the ark was built by amateurs. What's that quote mean to you? Oh, that means do it anyway. No matter what people say, it can or cannot be done. If you don't, you don't know if you don't try. What'd you say is the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Oh, I know that one. I let somebody talk me into an investment at fourteen percent. They convinced me that they do better than I could on a return, and I knew I could get at least forty percent return on my money. And they ended up going bankrupt. I lost my money. What's the best ever place to reach you? Sandra Musselwhite at Cox.net. Sandra, thank you for being on the show and sharing your your wealth of knowledge with the best ever listeners and talking about everything from you know your your background, your experience, talking through the differences and pros and cons between fifteen and thirty year uh, loans, why you favor fifteen, talking about lease options and the little used or little known Title One home improvement loan that you'd mentioned for residential properties, both income producing uh, or investment properties and also primary residents. And then your, the advice that your, the, the woman gave you a while ago, um, where when bonds go up, real estate goes down and when stocks go up, real estate, or excuse me, when bonds go up, real estate goes up and when stocks go up, real estate goes down. Um, so thank you so much for being on the show and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for asking me. Bye. Bye. Hey, you best ever listener. Do you want more? Then go to joefairless.com where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever.